McShane Bible Study, day 230 and 231, and we're also picking up on the two chapters of Luke we did not do yesterday. So we're starting out with Luke 13 through 16, and of course there's a lot. I'm just going to try to keep this brief. Um, it, it's kind of cool reading these four chapters. You see the picture starts with a kingdom message and ends with a kingdom message, with a lot of various stories and parables in between. Um, he starts out in Luke 13 by saying, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he goes on to tell the parable of the barren fig tree. And, you know, talks about a, an owner of a fig tree that wasn't producing fruit. And the, uh, the he wanted to tear it down, right? And the vine dresser says, give me one more year, I'll fertilize it, I'll do everything, and then hopefully it'll have it. And so the owner says, okay, you got one more year, and if it doesn't produce fruit, I'm going to tear it down. This is, this is right after the repent or perish story, right? This is, he's saying, look, why would an owner of a fruit tree that doesn't produce fruit keep it around? You might give it an extra chance, but then eventually he's going to tear it down because it's not worth anything to him. And likewise, God is saying, if I have a people that don't represent me, I will tear it down. It will not, they will not be allowed to be my house, my people, my family, right? Um, and, he, you know, going on, he talks about the narrow door, 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able Strong word, right? These are people seeking to follow God. Mm-hmm. But he says they will not be able. Because mm-hmm. they're not willing to go through the narrow door, right? Uh-huh. So what is this? He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about coming into this life that he's introducing. And he, you know, I'm not going to read the whole parable. He says, get away from me, evil people. I never knew you. Uh, he ends, and behold... Some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. He says, my kingdom is completely different than you and the world think of it. And then I'm going to skip to the last chapter. Um, we already talked about the dishonest uh, manager and how God, Jesus is saying, use the things of this world to bless people in eternal ways, because the things of this world don't matter. So it is, All the things you possess in this world don't matter as you bringing one person into the kingdom. That's more important than mm-hmm. everything else that you own. And if, if you're about his work, do you think he won't take care of your needs? Of course he will, right? But if we get caught up thinking about things of this world, then we prioritize that over worrying about what is God concerned about? What's God about? I want to be about God's work. Verse 10 says, this is Luke 16, 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So God starts us out very small with where we are. He says, how do we go about those things he has given us? Our life, our things, our time, our mind, our heart. He says, when we live according to the best way we know how to live for him... He will bless us and give us more, right? More responsibility, more to handle. Mm-hmm. He says, if you're not 
because many people, the heart of man is to say, well, when I get X, Y, and Z, then I will be this really great person who does it. But I'm not there, so I've got to do I've got to do these things that aren't great because I'm not there yet. But when I am there, then I'll be I'll be really noble and wonderful. God says no. Be noble and wonderful first. Live my way first, and I will bless you and bring you everything that you need in order to really represent me to the world. Mm-hmm. Work on where you are now, right? Okay, 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, I think that was left over from last time we went through Luke, uh, as far as my thing. But but we talked about this also recently. You, you're servant of somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So who's it going to be? Uh, and then the law and the kingdom of God. This is pretty good. 15. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He says, the culture of this world, this fallen world, this family of Adam does not understand my ways and the things that men hold up as important are not the things God sees as important. And if you don't get out of that way of thinking and that way of living and live my way, then you're off course. You're an abomination in the sight of God. 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. So he says, the law and the prophets were in a sort of very important purpose until the time of John. But Jesus says, I have come to introduce the kingdom. And if you have any wisdom at all, any understanding mm-hmm. of what's really important, you will force your way into it. Mm-hmm. You know, violent men take it by force, right? We, we, we do all that we can to live a kingdom life. Whatever we have to cut off in our own life, we mm-hmm. do it. And no matter how painful, because mm-hmm. he's saying, this is what's important. This is what's good in life. Everything else is a mirage. It's fake. Mm-hmm. And he says in verse 17, But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Since the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about the reality we live in, I'm, I'm really seeing this in a new light that I've never noticed before. He said, look, that law, the law of Moses, is still the prevailing law of God in the world controlled by Satan. Because the law points to sin and death, and it is the prevailing law of the world. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I have come to introduce a kingdom, that you can enter my kingdom and live by the law of the Spirit. Not of the law of Moses, but the law of the Moses is still pointing to two realities, blessing or curse. The law of sin and death, or the way into the kingdom. So it's important. It is still there. It points to my kingdom in my life, Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. where you can overcome these things. I, I, I don't know if I'm expressing that well, but I, I have a greater understanding of that than I ever have before. Um, and I think that was all I had for Luke for today. And then we're reading 1 Samuel 11 and 12. And this is the part where Saul becomes king because an Ammonite king is, is going to conquer them and poke all their eyes out 
And so Saul hears about it. He rallies an army and they conquer him. And then basically he's made king. And Samuel gives a big speech. And that's the part I wanted to point out is he does, he says exactly, it's over and over, the whole Bible, right? I wouldn't have remembered if you asked me yesterday that Samuel did this too, but it's the whole Bible, this whole story over and over again. I present before you blessing or curse. Samuel says, look, if you follow God's ways, okay, you didn't, God didn't want to give you a king, but you begged for a king, so he's given you one. If you're king and you follow the Lord, you will be blessed. If you follow your own way, you will be cursed. It's the same way as what we just read with Jesus, saying, look, if you go after your own way, that leads to disaster. But if you force your way into my kingdom, you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. It looks very different than the way you've grown up. The the definition of what blessing is is not what your flesh thinks it is, because it's not all about your flesh. It's about Mm -hmm. eternal blessing, eternal life, eternal wisdom and love and truth. You'll be blessed far more than you can even understand because you'll come into new understanding, eternal understanding. But you have to come into it and it's your choice. God won't make you. Verse 21 says, And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. It's the same story today, right? Most of these things in this world are empty. Don't turn towards them. Don't worship them. No one says they worship these things, but if we spend all our time on these things, that's what we're worshiping. Mm -hmm. He says those things are empty. 22, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, so he's saying the Lord will have a people, but he has now made it possible. It doesn't matter what family we were born into, Mm -hmm. right? Be any family in the world. But if we choose God, I, I want to go your way. Jesus, mm-hmm. you're the one that can bring me in, transform me, lead me in your way, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then you can be one of these people. Okay, and now we're in Romans 8 and 9. And so if I had to pick one favorite chapter in the Bible, it would be Romans 8. If you make it a... Make it a three or four chapter. It might be it might be harder. To, there might there's some others, but if you have to just pick one chapter, this is probably it. Ephesians three is probably my favorite, but Romans eight is a very close. I like yeah. Ephesians six a lot. <laughs> Mainly because of one verse. Yeah. Which one? Uh, unfortunately, I've got another verse, but uh, <laughs> fathers don't aggravate your children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> you quote that one to Daddy sometimes. Yep. <laughs> when, when he when he when he quotes uh, when he quotes the other big one in Ephesians, um, like it's about your uh, obeying your father and mother. I I quote that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, verse. Uh, we'll just start from the beginning in Romans 8. There, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So that's, he's basically summing up the last three chapters, mm-hmm. right? We are no longer a part of this world of sin. Mm-hmm. Paul says, if sins, he says, yes, I sometimes see sin at work in me, but that's not me. That is an attacking force. I have given my life to Christ, and that's not me. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So this is actually cool. I'm really glad how the Lord's worked it out that we just read those chapters in Luke. Because we, we were just, the Lord just revealed that to me in a new way, right? When we were reading Luke, that the law has not been done away with because it is still the law of God in this broken world. And every jot and tittle matters. But the law points towards a kingdom that we should force our way into. And when we are a part of this kingdom, we are bound by the law of the Spirit, not the law of Moses. The law of Moses is important because it points to this way. But we are now above that. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We enter a kingdom. We enter a new way of living, a new reality, a new way of being that's no longer bound by the ways of the world. Right? So it's, it's incumbent upon us to learn of this new way, to enter into this new life. Verse 4 says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he says, in order to enter this way, we have to actually walk according to the Spirit. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That's what Samuel was just saying, right? Don't live according to worthless things. They will fail you. They're worth, they might seem really shiny and fun mm-hmm. to your flesh. Don't let your flesh rule you. Those are worthless. Set your mind on things of the spirit. Six, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Mm-hmm. Right? It says enter into this new reality where the things that happen in this world have no effect on you because your mind, your heart, are set upon eternal realities. And then skipping down to 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We didn't record that part of our conversation, Weston, but you were asking about... It's a a parable that's difficult for most people because it's the shrewd manager who forgives people's debts with his master's money. And Jesus says, you know, you should... people of this world are more shrewd than people of my kingdom. And we talked about it, that um, you, you use anything and everything of this world to help people come into the kingdom. Because somebody entering into God's kingdom is vastly, infinitely more valuable than everything you have now or will ever possess in this world. And if you give up anything in this world for that, God will certainly replace it with more because you are about his work, not your own flesh. Right? Remember we talked about that? Okay, well now I'll put that in the recording. And so, he, he, let me read again what he says because it fits perfectly. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, 
to live according to the flesh. So who are debtors? We're helping relieve people's debts to this world and helping them. And of course, we have debts to this world. We have debts to God. We are helping these debts be paid, right? <clears throat> so that they can come and they are now free and clean in the Lord. So our lives should be about, first and foremost, we have to get ourselves there, right? But then as we come into this kingdom life, this life of the Spirit, it's first and foremost about helping others, not anyone and everyone, not preaching to masses, but helping to disciple others into this very life, right? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. The I believe that if you speak with your heart and your mind, in your, your heart and your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you will end up in eternal life. However, the part that is you that makes it there will be indistinguishable to the vast majority of Christians because the most of their lives are lived according to the flesh. And that part will die. But the part of them that is living according to the Spirit will actually be eternal. And so, turn that around on us. To what degree is my life according to the flesh? And what degree of my life is according to the Spirit? Because that part that is according to the Spirit is the only part that's eternal. And so, more and more we die to our fleshly life and enter into an eternal reality. And so that has a couple things. For one, we actually save ourselves. If you love your life, you'll lose it. If you you know hate your life, you'll save it. We we enter more into eternal reality. We, we'll actually get to recognize ourselves in eternity. But more important, we're bringing the eternal Son of God that God has planned for the, that who He sees us as His plan for us into the here and now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Life with God in the here and now, right? Uh, I, I had a really cool, hopefully I still share the message, but everyone couldn't make the message last night. So, um, But it, it's a throne room reality. 14, for all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Well, that's a pretty important statement, right? What is a son of God? We talk about it all the time. He just gives a definition. All those led by the Spirit of God. Now, we can't deceive ourselves in what that means. It means truly being led by the Spirit. But if we're led by the Spirit, we're sons of God. 15. And and the the word for son used in this chapter is a mature son. The English language really does a terrible job of of translating the Greek because there's different words for a lot of these things. And a lot of times... A small child is the word uh, translated, but this this word means mature son of God, someone who is respond can be relied on by the father to be responsible for his household, right? Mm-hmm. His great plantation, his business. I mean, the household means everything. Fifteen. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So, what's the opposite of spirit of sonship? Spirit of, sla- spirit of fear, right. Mm-hmm. Spirit of slavery is... Fear is just slavery to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right? When we live in fear, we are worshiping the enemy because we're believing bad things can happen to us. 
Bad things cannot happen to us. They might be things our flesh doesn't want, but as we're gonna as we continue on, it's impossible for bad things to happen to us if we're living in the spirit. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So he's adopted us from the family of Adam into the family of Christ as a son of God, right? We're adopted into this new life. 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. An heir receives everything that the father owns and is. God has not only planned to make Jesus his heir. His plan is to have the many sons of God be his heirs. It says here very clearly, that is impossible for the religious mind to get a hold of because it's too glorious. But that is scripture. That is God's plan. Mm-hmm. You see that? 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. That is what God's about in our day, Weston. And the whole world has been waiting for thousands of years since creation for this revealing to happen. Mm-hmm. Pretty important, huh? Mm-hmm. 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The whole the whole creation is not as glorious as it once was. There's, it has a certain kind of glory for sure. It's amazing. You walk outside, it's amazing. But it's less glorious than it was originally and that it's intended to be. And it can only be made so glorious as the sons of God are revealed, mm-hmm. as the kingdom transforms this world. 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Paul says, Paul's a great man of God, right? Mm -hmm. But he says, there's something more here. And, And even I wait for the fullness of time when these things come about. 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? If we sit around hoping, but we don't believe, we cannot enter in. Mm -hmm. We have to not only hope, we have to believe, we have to seek, Mm -hmm. right? We have to force our way in. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It does take patient endurance. Again, the flesh wants an overnight miracle, and bam, we're all in this. God says, no, I want you to walk with me. It's all about the process. And the process probably never ends, right? It's, it, the process is the joy. 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So I, I referred to this earlier. Can anything bad happen to us? No. If our house burns down, would that be bad? <laughs> kind of a trick question, huh? That would seem terrible to our flesh, right? But let's read this again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
So if our house burns down, is it bad or good? All things work together for good. Mm-hmm. We probably have to send some time in prayer saying, God, <laughs> this really messes up my day and probably my whole year, right? <laughs> but Lord, how are you bringing this about for good? Mm-hmm. Do you see? Anything that seems bad to our flesh, if there's a big butt in there, right? And we know that for those who love God. It means, are you living by life in the spirit? Or are you living by fear, by slavery to the evil one? Mm-hmm. If you're living in fear and slavery to the evil one, then it's like the worst thing that can happen. Well, maybe not the worst, but it's up there if your house burns down, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're living by the spirit, if you love God and not this world, then wow, we've got a new adventure. We're homeless, right? What are we going to do now? I don't know, but I'm sure, I'm sure God will lead us into something that in the end will be better for us than our current situation. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, it's important that we understand that because that is life in the spirit. Things, he will bring things about to discipline us out of our fleshly ways. Do we live by the Spirit? In, in the degree to which we do not. Either, sometimes we just we receive a revelation, we receive a change of heart, a change of mind, and we don't need to go through something bad. And we should seek Him so that we get more of that. But if we need to go through something that is bad, so-called bad in the flesh... He will absolutely bring it about so that we can grow beyond that fleshly thinking. You see that? All right, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Wait a minute. He's conforming us to be just like Jesus? That's a pretty big thing, right? That's scripture. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's not all about Jesus being the one son of God. It's about Jesus being the firstborn of many sons of God. Mm-hmm. And again, I have to throw this in for any new listeners. That that's men or women. It has nothing to do with men or women. It's a position in God, son of God. 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He wants us to be heirs of him. Everything he is, everything he owns, he wants us to reveal his glory to all creation. But we have to give our lives to this. We have to be willing to die to all everything that we think we want or deserve in this flesh. We have to be willing to die to all that and leave all that behind. Take up our cross and follow him. And then he wants to give us everything. What is better, being the richest man in the world and having all the power and wealth of of that? Sounds kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. But what does that compare to God? He created everything. He wants us to be in his family, his heir. It's so much bigger, but we can't see it with our eyes. Mm -hmm. So we have to hope and have faith and enter into these things by faith, Mm -hmm. right? Because the world is shiny but it's not real. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So, okay, here's the reality. 
What can separate us? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, a sword. Mm-hmm. He says nothing can separate us. None of these things matter. God created everything. He is powerful over everything. Nothing can create us from this can separate us from this truth, only ourselves and our own desire to turn away from it. And then he turns. So chapters 9 through 11 are about the Jews. Okay, Not that we can't learn things for ourselves from it, but he's very specifically, he's just summed up this powerful message. He's going to come back to it in 12. But now he's saying that this is specifically about the Jews. And I don't know how any, so there's some Christians that believe that Jews are saved because of the uh, covenant with Abraham. Um, I don't know how they can read Romans 9 through 11 and think that. I believe that theology came about when there was no Israel. Who knows? But anyways, verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul has just made it very clear how important these eternal truths are compared to things in this world. And he says, I would cut myself all off for others. Mm -hmm. He he understands it. And he says, I would give it all up just for you. That's the heart of God. You see that? But but we can also look at it and say, man, (laughs) just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you have eternal salvation. Verse 7 also says, And not all the children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So he's saying, look, just because you're a Jew, you're not saved. At, to me, it's real clear. Some people struggle with that, but I don't think they understand God and what he's doing. He's cut off way more Jews or, or Israelites than he's saved throughout history, at least biblical history. Um, everyone now, though, still gets the same chance. Every new person does to accept their Messiah. 20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded? Say to its molder, why have you made me like this? People like to argue, well, this isn't right. This isn't fair. I don't like God's truths. He said, what are you, God, that you can decide what's right and fair? How, How do you even know? You're judging things based on your tiny perspective, not God's perspective. 32 says, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as it were, based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. So he says we must enter by faith. No law of of Moses or of the United States or anything else can save us. We must enter by faith that we be ruled by the law of the Spirit. And wrapping up in uh, Jeremiah 47 and 48, and and Jeremiah is just giving words against the people around him, but to to tie in a, a verse that sticks with kind of what we've been talking about, Jeremiah forty eight eleven, Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his dregs. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. He goes on to say how he's going to, uh, he's going to judge them, take them through severe difficulties, but then he will preserve a remnant and bless them. So that's exactly what we've been talking about, right? He he hadn't gone through any difficulties, therefore he was fat and happy, living a fleshly life. And this, of course, being an entire people group, but that's true of us, that we must enter the narrow way, right, Mm -hmm. to come to this life. All right, well, that's all I have for today. You have anything else? Uh, uh, All right, God bless you. God bless you.